Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions, from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science. We'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp, and welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. Thank you for listening. So, okay, we covered last time the beginning of what we do in this program, and my intention is for you to know the components personally because I think it's very reasonable for you to seek out a local physician wherever you are, whatever part of the world, be it Argentina, Australia, Qatar, Uzbekistan, wherever you're listening from, because more than likely there are physicians that are doing, at least thinking like I'm thinking. I've simply put the components together and through a lot of struggling, have gotten a process that really is reproducible. And I think it's very worthwhile doing. And in fact, most of the people that go through our program do follow up in six or 12 months to be retested. You know, they've learned and they've come in from a world in which they didn't know that much medically. And so we didn't use medical language, but we used a lot of, I did PowerPoints, we did a lot of Q&A, we did a lot of presentations, and there's a lot of education. So in the end, they were all very excited. They were given back, in essence, they, the control knobs of their own health. And it's kind of corny, but I'm just interpreting their excitement, and they now know what to do with that. So that's a big deal. So that last time we did the metabolic panel, you know, went through a long list of tests and I followed four people, four conditions. And I also reminded you that a person is not the condition. They are a collection of variables that manifest into this particular situation, as I would say. And so they were infertility for a woman in her late 30s. They were hormone imbalance for a woman in her perimenopause state age, i.e. early 50s. They were obesity and they were fatty liver. And so male fatty liver and male obesity. So in seeing these quote unquote conditions, and now we're going to pull them through these four panels, you'll see how the panels have benefited each one, will have benefited each person as we've gone through. Also, I want to say now that you're getting the flow of what this program is, we're focusing on the diet, right? They've gone and done the, the labs and the, and the results kind of come back in the course of four weeks, and then we bring them back into the course at particular points and review them. We review each other's labs. It's a small group, so they really understand the bigger picture, and it really has helped that way. That's been probably the uh, most surprising aspect of doing this program is the helpfulness to the clients, to the slash the patients, to the students, if you want to call them that, of other labs that are like themselves but slightly different, as well as me going through overall 
a PowerPoint presentation so they see that and I'll bring up I'll bring up studies but in a way that's usable not just to prove that there's an academic background for whatever I'm talking about. Okay, so now we're moving over to the second panel and what this panel is, it is a lymphocyte intracellular micronutrient analysis. So what that means is it's a white blood cell and that white blood cell is called a lymphocyte. It uses so it's not the red blood cells, it's not the serum, it's calling out, if you will, think of a strainer in the ocean and it calls out, it strains out so you just have these white blood cells. And the white blood cells is, is part of your CVC count. And you know, we, so we're just choosing a small piece there. So it's all these lymphocytes and now they get analyzed. They get broken down, analyzed, and uh, it's a pretty amazing test. And so it comes up with a, I think it's about a 10 page report. I have one up as a PDF in front of me. Been through it. For the last 20 years, I don't know. Say, how many pages is this? It was shoot to the end. Actually, it's only four pages, and I thought it was 10. They've really improved over 20 years. Who wouldn't improve over 20 years? You better improve over 20 years, otherwise you won't keep your customers. So what this does, though, right? Important for you to remember, it's white blood cells. It's not red blood cells. It's not serum. It's lymphocytes. That is the heart of your immune system. So we're now within the walls of your immune system, part of your immune system, probably the most important part. And we're saying, where are we deficient in vitamins, if you will, micronutrients or vitamins? And it gives me four different ways to look at this. One is simply listing all the things they test for and saying, is it deficient? Is it borderline deficient? Is it good? That's pretty straightforward. And then it gives a graphic interpretation of that as well. But what I like the most, it gives two illustrations, two maps, if you will. One map is of the Krebs cycle. Oops, now you, I threw you back to high school and your eyes just blurred over. But it's important. The Krebs cycle is the heart of your mitochondrial functioning. It's part of your cellular respiration. Okay, then. So when that doesn't work, your mitochondria is not working. So we've talked about this as mito- This is all about mitochondrial health. So it has a schematic, a map, as I called it, of where all these nutrients they've tested and where they're deficient in what part of your Krebs cycle. So whether you're processing, bringing in fats or carbohydrates or proteins to make energy acetyl-CoA that then goes into the Krebs cycle and then comes out as ATP, it shows us, it pops, you know, it's it's like looking at an audience and each one has a seat and then it superimposes the report of what micronutrients, that is vitamins, were deficient and what were borderline deficient and which one were good. So you look at it, just eyeballing it, and you say, okay, hmm, this person was, I'm looking at now, was deficient in B12, remember, intercellularly, within the white blood cell, of B12, folic acid, B5, and B7. And so as we're going forward to more levels of other panels later, that I would look at, and this is what I always did in the last 20 years, once I started seeing things appointed to B12 and folic acid together, I then suspected and waited for the results to show up on the genomic mutation side of things. And let me tell you, 20 years ago, you didn't have 23andMe. You didn't have all these little apps that you simply download the, you know, your information you get from 23andMe and have them do a report on the raw data. You had to, by mutation name alone, 
put that on a lab requisition. So you say, if I'm interested in MTHFR, I think it's probably the only one you know, or it might know, put that down and they will test for that. You know, heterozygous or different forms of it. If you think you're looking at anything else, you have to write that name down or look up the code, whatever. And so you had to manually ask for these mutations that you knew of and see if they were positive or negative. Now, let me interject how I got into looking at these SNPs, single nuclear polymorphisms. This is, I'm, we're not going to get to this report, but later, and it has to do with this, single nuclear polymorphisms. I ended up lecturing at the UMass College of Pharmacy for a number of years about this because it was pretty exciting and it had to do with medications and you needed to know things. So I had started to do some reading in 2001 and two about there were certain mutations one was MTHFR. It's about the only thing I had heard of. So I started, since I had the privilege of doing so in Connecticut, write down MTHFR. I wonder if I wanted to see, you know, who would come back positive or negative, whatever. But I actually started with autistic kids. I'd have a few autistic children that would come in to see. And I go, you know, let's do a lab work and I'm going to order this. They all came back positive. Being new to this whole thing at that time, I thought, is this indicative of autism if I, if one is you know has these mutations? No, it isn't. Uh, autism is multifactorial, but it happened to be my population was 100% homozygous for MTHFR of the worst type. We'll get into what that means later. So I go, wow, there's something to this. So my eyes popped open. So from there on, I was open to looking at more of these SNP mutations, polymorphisms. They're common enough in the populations and they all have a problem one way or the other. And so I started building my knowledge back then. And 23andMe, and when they first came out, they actually made all this available and then they were shut down by the FDA for, uh, they're still shut down on this particular aspect of it. And so you, they make their raw data available, but they do not give you that report. You have to ship that off to another company, an app, and uh, upload it and they will make your report. So anyway, that's where that evolved. So now when we're looking at this mitochondria, the Krebs cycle, or otherwise known as citric acid cycle, it's mapped out in front of me, and I get to see these little circles of all the micronutrients, the vitamins, and which ones are deficient, I can sort of see, I'll use an analogy, it's like a car. I've now done all these tests on a car, and the car comes back and says, well, the tires are low for one, uh, the carb's not running well because one of the cylinders is plugged, and you know, and so you go make it basically a homework assignments of things to correct to make sure that that carburetor is working and the tires running to as best as possible for that particular car. That's how I look at this. I look at, you know, so this whole B12 and folic acid when I'm, when they pop up and they're red or even if they're yellow, which is borderline deficient, I go, something else is behind this. These go together and B12 and folic acid is very much about each cell's growth. And if you're deficient on that, you're going to have a problem, cells are going to have a problem of functioning, which is sort of saying the obvious. So when you have, when you cannot do an appropriate or correct or flowing Krebs cycle, your mitochondria is broken. And now we're looking how to repair it. So that's how I use that overlay. It's, it's amazing. It's just a nice little map. And the other map that they come out with, it's basically three circles called the methylation cycle, which is very important also for B12 and folic acid. But it has to do with the ability to methylate things. That's how they become useful to a lot of, not just the mitochondria, but for a lot of the processes. That's how neurotransmitters are transformed from one to the other. Methylation is one of the ways of doing this. So it maps out 
these three, it's like a three-ring circus. One is the methionine cycle and the folate acid cycle and the neurotransmitter cycle. Who cares about any of these names? But it shows me where in the making of neurotransmitters there would be a problem. So I simply eyeball and saying, well, of course this problem is going to, this person is going to have a problem making serotonin or dopamine or, or something else because, you know, I can see where they're deficient in these particular cycles within the lymphocytes, right? Within the white blood cell. So that's phenomenal. So when you hear about things like people who are addicted, whether it's you, you believe in carb addiction or crack addiction, addiction in general, has to do with dopamine deficiency, actually excess that leads to long-term deficiency. And serotonin is not far behind that. When you see the relationship of these two neurotransmitters and how they are made, and then you superimpose certain deficiencies in that process, you go, huh, so what happens if I fix the deficiencies? That clearly will make some level of improvement relative to the dopamine or serotonin or whatever the thing is I'm working on. That's a pretty remarkable thing that you can do. So it's like the car that for some, it's just putting tire air in their tires and suddenly their fuel efficiency comes back online. For others, you need to change the brake fluid. For the others, it's the transmission. For others, it's the carburetor. For others, it's the primary or secondary ignition system. So on and on it goes. And you find that thing and you change it and there you go. Are you not amazed when you get your car back and after it's worked on and say, wow, this really is like a new car again? Well, that is true. It's a little bit mechanistic the way I'm describing it to you, but this is a level. This is a part of my four-part lens, if you will. So this is how we use that. So now I get a look into addictive personalities are amazing. Um, I can look into homocysteine and other, other of these things. I can look into why this person will have a problem of making glutathione, which is a big antioxidant for the body. And if they can't make enough glutathione, they are going to be very pro-inflammatory. So that gives me a, a real good clue of what to focus on and what this person needs. So anyway, long story short, we put everybody through and then we list, you know, hey, here's your deficiencies, your borderline deficiencies, and we address those. We start with the top ones. Uh, but as I say, when I sort of see B12 and folic acid come up as a problem, and also choline, and I go, you know, that's too coincidental. Uh, and it really makes me eager to want to peek into the next results of the of the genomes and uh, to find out if my int intu intuition is correct or not. So what we're looking at, this helps people with neurotransmitters problems. So we're looking at when I simply ha since I have mentioned MTHFR and, and the related, the way I talk about this to the people I'm with, as I map this out, I consider that an intersection of, and it's methylation. And I said, if these things, if these particular things are deficient, A, it slows down the traffic through this area and everything that's dependent on this particular interchange it doesn't get produced either very well or at all, and there's a problem. So it directly has bearing on a lot of neurological issues and also mental issues in terms of bipolar, schizophrenia, depression, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so now let's line up those four people. The woman who is infertile in her late 30s, can't conceive. The woman who has hormone imbalance, the man in his mid-50s who has is 100 pounds overweight and has fatty liver, and the obese man, I didn't give you an age, but that would be the late 50s, early 60s. 
So we look at all these things, and now I say, especially for all these things that are mitochondrial related, it's like you want to help them. This is really like the carburetor. You want to help them have a clean mitochondria up and working so they can burn fat, so they can bring in that energy that they've been storing in their body and burn it. You also will get a glimpse into their lives in terms of neurotransmitters, and that usually comes from being a very carb-addicted personality. You know, they all about carbs, so consequently, they have driven themselves to kind of high chronic dopamine, and then with time, it drives a deficiency. So, is there a template that the infertile woman or the hormonal imbalanced woman would fit into? Well, when we get over to neurotransmitters, it would have a lot to do with certainly the woman uh, and hormonal imbalance, but people who will complain about being dysthymic, depressed, whatever, that neurotransmitters and why they don't feel good will have a lot to do with either these deficiencies and or it's going to be a harbinger, it's going to be a foreshadowing of something in the genomic side of things. So there isn't exactly a template, but that's where I would presume and that's where both these women have had issues over that and so that you could address them. You can address them simply by having good supplements and then watching that. That On this part so far, we have a hormone panel coming up, which is obviously even more accurate for these things. So the what I would expect to see and did see with the man for the fatty liver who was overweight is he had a lot of deficiencies. Well, I should say he had enough deficiencies that were pretty obvious needed to be addressed. They were caused by the diet, that he, lifestyle that he has led. And so why would he care to know this? It starts to be, these four panels starts to be a wake-up call for the individual. They start to say, I see where this starts to go together. So eating those potato chips all the time and the beer all the time was actually driving, not so much just to make him fat, that's obvious, but was trying to make was making it very hard on his liver. And so we get very specific, but at least he sees a bigger picture and he is starting to wake up to, it is dietary. The quality of the food does matter. It doesn't have to be pristine, but you got to get the junk out first. I'm not saying everybody has to eat grass-fed beef, by the way. I'm just saying if one is drinking gasoline, you ought to stop them from drinking gasoline first before you tell them about there's better food sources, don't you think? And that's been my approach. Let's try to remove. And so why they're in this 90 days, we do have rules. And uh, it's I've learned the hard way, both through 20, 20 years of seeing patients and going over the story of diet and blah, 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 but also in really fine-tuning this particular program. So we take the dairy out for 90 days, nobody's going to be doing dairy. For 90 days, nobody's going to be doing wheat, but that goes along with not doing refined carbs. So if they want to do carbs, it's got to be greens. If they want to do carbs, it's got to be greens. So salads, we're just doing salads only. We're not doing things like fat bombs and all these other contrived. We've got to make a real life, a real food. Obviously, all the processed foods out. So we're taking these things out in the background of why we're learning of ourselves on these different panels. Okay. And so the fatty liver man and the obese person man had pretty similar times in terms of understanding. And at the same time, I didn't mention this last time, we now have introduced, they're using a tracking, a common tracking device that I can see what they're eating every day. They're also, for the first two weeks, they're wearing a 
glucose monitor, a cheap one, which is called uh, Freestyle Libra. And they got that from their doctors. They needed to be prescribed that from their doctors. And so I encouraged them and helped them get that prescription from their doctors. And so that now measured their blood glucose. So they could look, measure it on their phone. They could measure it on a meter that you get with that. And they could, uh, there's another app. So they download it to me. If they have a, the newer phones make it instantaneously. And so I can go online and I'll check Bob and I'll check Judy and I'll check Sarah and I'll see where they are. And I'm just a couple hours behind them. That's how accurate these things are. So I get to watch their blood sugar throughout the day. That's tremendous. And we do one other time. If they want to do this the whole time, that's up to them. But we make it mandatory to do the last two weeks as well. So we do the first two weeks and the last two weeks. And then the middle eight weeks, I don't require it. You know, so there's that. And we also gradually bring in the Keto Mojo, which is a ketometer as well. So it's redundant. They don't have to do that as much, but they, there's an accuracy. So they get to see two numbers. One is they've pricked themselves in the blood and the other is what they're seeing on their thing they're wearing on their arm consistently, continuously for, for two weeks. And uh, then they can check their ketones. They're all excited about their ketones. So I kind of pull them back from that. I sort of say, hey, it will happen as you get there. And it's, they're pleased to, to keep this information. So now they've become pretty self-aware. They have this thing on their arm. They take their ketones every so often. They can even do a glucometer, blood finger prick every so often. So they've become very aware. They're tracking their food. We have parameters in which they keep their macros within certain parameters. So now they're getting pretty educated as we go into the third panel coming up next time. I hope you're appreciating this. I hope you're knowing this. And I hope you feel comfortable enough to be able to reproduce this because this is not out of your reach. This is what I'm trying to say. This is not out of your reach. Time for you to do the work. I wouldn't say doctor yourself. You're not going to be the doctor, but you got to bring your level of understanding up to a higher game to really enjoy life and to have, and not encumber your life with a hundred extra pounds, not encumber your life with being depressed or all these other things that are consequential of bad mitochondrial health. And it's not just a hack. You know, there are supplements that are mitochondrial, this, that, or the other thing. They do tend to address the issues I'm talking about today. So that's pretty cool. But it's multi-level. And so you have to look at constituents, the macros. We haven't even gotten to exercise. Um, there's a number of factors that we educate about, make it so it's not overwhelming. And by the end of the program, they have the car running and they know how to work on it themselves, so to say. So until next time, two more panels to do. We'll talk about it then. Take care. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp. I just wanted to encourage you to send in your questions to drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Many of you have, and so what I've done with these questions that I've gotten back to most of the people I email, but some of the questions that were so good, and if they were overlapping to other questions, I would combine them and try to put that into the topic of a podcast, either via one of the micro topics that are covered in an interview. As you know, we cover a lot of topics in any given interview or some of my own sort of reporting, if you will, on some of these issues. So please keep the questions coming. Feel free to send in an email and uh, I will get back to you. Stay listening, send in your questions, and I will definitely get back to you.